You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. You are tuned into the Decoding Success Podcast, and you are rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. Super excited to have all of you here with us today, whether it is your first time joining us, whether you've been an amazing community member here at Decoding Success, we welcome all of you to this amazing episode today. I'm giving you fair warning that there is a ton of a ton of golden nuggets to be taken away from this episode. So with that said, number one, I'm going to ask you to make sure you share this episode. I'm putting it out there now. Share, share, share with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your mastermind groups, the people in your group chats that you send memes to all day, everyone in between. Listen to it. Once you hear something click, because I can guarantee you're going to hear something click, a snap of the finger, whatever the case is, you're going to hear something. I promise you that. Make sure you're sharing it at that point. Today's guest, we are joined by my good friend, an individual that has impacted my life in more ways than he probably knows. We've hosted him on roundtable discussions, but even bigger than that, we're getting face-to-face right here. My guy, Gio DeRice, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, founder of 2020 Living Inc., which helps people maximize their full potential by creating visions for better tomorrows that they can live into. His work has been featured in Huffington Post, B and also been acknowledged by New York City Councilman's Office. He's spoken all over the nation, and honestly the globe in a sense, from as far as Washington State to as northeast as Vermont and many places in between. His work has led him to work with professional organizations such as the NBA's Brooklyn Nets and also working behind the scenes with several multi-million dollar enterprises. Now when not speaking, he is helping others craft their expertise by becoming authors, and listen, he's worked with over 48 self-published books in just the last few years. And when he is done doing that, you can find him watching reruns of House Hunters with his wife, whom he still cannot believe actually married him. My guy Gio is taking the time out of his day during this quarantine to add value right here on Decoding Success, and I cannot be more grateful to be able to amplify this message to all of you. And with that said, our partners over at Acadium are helping make that happen. Now, if you are in business, if you're a project manager, if you're someone that has a side hustle, a podcaster, a real estate agent maybe, speakers, authors, everyone in between, listen up. I have this amazing platform with remote marketing interns that are willing and able to help you from anything pertaining to marketing from your graphic design, your social media marketing, your website, everything in between. All you have to do is head over to the show notes of this episode, click that beautiful little link that says Acadium. You'll be directed right to their database. Amazing information all up front to you. Nothing, 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 nothing at all hidden. I use it myself. I've said it time and time again, I want to make sure that I'm sharing these resources with you, especially in these times that we're currently in. And now without further ado, I bring to you my guy, Gio DeRice. Gio, my man, you are back. You have been on the round table before. Now it's the face to face, man. I'm excited to have, I'm grateful to have you. And I'm also very excited to have you. So thank you for hopping on here, man. My pleasure. You know, it's been on, it's literally, I didn't tell you this, but this is definitely on those bucket list things of, I wanted to get on the decoding podcast. I just didn't want to beg you. I was like, listen, <laughs> I'm going to wait my turn. I'm going to wait my turn um, to be on here. But you've had so many amazing people on here that I highly respect and admire. So to be one of the people on here, man, is truly an honor. 
Yeah, man. Listen, it's been a long time coming. Obviously, we had you on the roundtables, but I'm excited for, for today's episode. But this one's going to be a little bit different. It ain't a roundtable, man. It's face-to-face, so I'm going to kick it <laughs> off with a question. How do yes. you personally define success? Shucks, man. Dang it. That's a good question. So we're just going to go in the beginning with this one. Get me oh, stumped. yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think, honestly, like, the, the way I would define success um, is just – what what do you value that brings you joy? Mm. So it's very personal. But the other side of it, and why I find it so hard to answer this question, is that success, what it means to me, changes regularly. How how often? Uh, I, I would say definitely is something that I think about from a quarterly perspective. Okay. So every three months it redefines. And I, and when I say redefine, I feel like the right word is refining. Like it's almost like I'm starting to trim the fat off and I'm like, Oh, this is what it is. But until you really pursue whatever you define it as right now, you don't really know what it is until you get there. Then you're like, Oh, right. that's, that's, that's that type of success. Now I kind of meant this over here. Like I didn't mean blue. I meant sky blue. Like, you know, <laughs> like right, that right. kind of thing. Now, is that because your values are changing based on what you just said your definition of success is? Is that because your values are changing or is that just because life's experiences are shaping you to view success in a different way? Totally. Yeah, I don't, the values don't change. I've changed in terms of growth. Mm. So the expectation that I once had when I'm now at a different level, I have a different vantage point. I'm looking at it from a different, from just a different floor. It's like, I was on the second floor, so I had one view, and now I'm on the fifth floor, and I'm like, oh, snap, those are the things that I didn't even see because I was in the forest, so you not you can't see the trees type of thing. Mm. So for me, it's been the growth of it. And so that's why I'm more excited about the fact that I'm continuously defining what success is. And that's something I didn't get until, like, more recently it wasn't something like i had back in the days i thought it was very defined and it's a rock and i knew exactly what it was and now i'm starting to realize it's more clay than a rock yeah man i love that i love that so after i kind of gauge everyone's interest or you know their thoughts on what success is to them i I have to ask them like how they viewed it back in the day so i don't want to go too far back but i'm curious to know who geo was in high school what was his dreams back then what was he doing back then who was he hanging out was he with the jocks was he with the people trading Oh cards (laughs) like what was geo up to back then yeah to, to me i had one singular focus in high school and that was to go to the nfl that was my for my focus. So everything was football. I didn't care about girls. I didn't care about no freaking cards or trading cards. I was not the guy in the cafeteria playing spades, spoons, trying to eat school lunch. I was in the lot. I was in my coach's office trying to figure out: Can I go and get the videotape? for the team that we're playing this Saturday, I need to watch it before everybody else. So I was like very obsessive um, with football. Like that was my, my love. That was my everything. So that was me in high school. And then college came and I went to a school that didn't have football. And now I have to find something else, um, which is super hard and disappointing because I had put so many things in that basket. Right. You know, that's that 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 obsessiveness. When I tell you, Matt, like I literally was watching football film till four o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to go to to practice before the game at 7 a.m. 
and not tired, like fully awake, like I, I'm ready to go right now. Right. So that was something that I've always had. And, and I think over time, as I started thinking about the things that I wanted, that focus started to drift or like kind of widen a little bit. Um, I went to college and thought I was going to be a football coach. Like, I'm like, yo, you know what? St. John's University don't got football. Cool. I'll just be a, the best NFL coach. I'm like, I'm going to be the, the black Bill Belichick or something. Like I was like, or Bill Walsh. Like I'm going to just kill the game um, with that. And then I saw the lifestyle of a, of a coach. And I think it was Greg Schiano who was coaching at Rutgers at the time. Mm, and he okay. was saying that, he was saying what he said. He said, here's a life, a day in the life of a college football coach. And um, he said he was out, he was up at four o'clock in the morning. He would go to the office. He would come back home at 11 p.m., do one hour of reading, hang out with his wife from 12 to one, sleep three hours and do it all over again. And I was wow. like, yo, you spent one hour with your wife? I'm like, I can't do that. I can't imagine that. And so football went by the wayside. Um, and then I went and said, you know what? Let me train, let me train NFL athletes. I want to be like... Um, Tim Grover, I think it's name, right? Tim Grover, yeah, the, the Tim guy Grover, who trained Tim Michael Grover. Jordan. Tim right. Grover or Mark Mark Vestigan, who runs Athletes Performance in Arizona. And I was like, I'm just going to prep guys for the NFL Combine or something. I'm, I'm going to make stars. And then that was just mad science and stuff <laughs> that, <laughs> that I didn't think I really wanted to go ahead and do all that. But I, I noticed that there was a lot of changes um, along the way, but I'm glad you asked that question because one of the things is even in the zigzags of the whole thing, I realized that I had an, an innate nature or whatever to want to help people be better. Like that was the common thing in everything, whether it was captain of the high school football team, um, becoming a personal trainer, all of those things was something about helping someone else with their transformation. I love that, man. That's super powerful. So with that said, I guess I have to go back. Like, why wouldn't you go to a college that offered football? Like, why, why didn't you go to Stony Brook instead of St. John's, you know? Let's, let's, so, so this is going to be funny. I was from a mom on blast. So the reality is this. I was supposed to go to Iona College. They had a football okay. program. Right. So it was between Iona and I was going there. I went to my visits and everything. And my mom, I guess like I'm her first child. So they weren't too crazy about me going away from home, even if it right. was just right New Rochelle. And so she told me, hey, Saint, go to St. John's. And I firmly believe this. We, we're big. Um, we're Christian. And I feel like if St. John's didn't have St. before John. I don't think I would have went to that school. <laughs> like, like, I think my mom was like, it can't be this bad school if it's called St. John's. Like it's a Catholic school or something. Like it's going to be good. He'll be safe and stuff like that. But she didn't care about the football part and they canceled the football program. So they did have a football program. Right, right, right. My freshman year, they canceled it. Oh my God. Because of Title IX. Uh, um, and so immediately at that point, I was going to decide, should I transfer or not? And I was like, I don't want to go through that process all over again. Um, no one, and I wasn't heavily recruited. So I said, maybe the coaching would have been the next avenue because I coached three years right out of high school. 
Right. I was going to ask you, how did you find yourself parting ways with that dream so easy, right? Because one thing that I come across often, whether it's with myself or with people I'm speaking with, it's like they hold on to that dream forever, sometimes so long that they realize that um, it's just never going to work and they're still holding on to it, right? Like you, it seems like you were able to give it up rather easily. Maybe that was because you were going into coaching or you were, you know, pursuing a different avenue, which kind of still aligned with what your ultimate dream was. Like, I'm just curious to hear it from you. I think that's exactly what it was. I think if I didn't coach high school football and at the level of where I was coaching at, like I literally was coaching off, I was an offensive coordinator at 18 years old. Right. On a high school level, right? So because I was still close to the game, I started to find myself, and I don't know how it became that easy to like make that shift, but I felt more excited about making football players than becoming one. Right. I love that. That was exciting to me. There's just something about, I've always said this before to people, like my dream come true is making yours come true. Mm. So there's something about just that level of service and helping someone else see that better version of them that attracted me um, to coaching that I could not get from being the person who's the athlete. Right. No, it's huge, man. You know, and I, I look at it, by the way, we could title this episode, the athletes, the athletes who never made it. <laughs> because, you know, I, I see it all the time, especially with myself. When I was a senior in college, I tore the labor. I'm sorry, a senior in high school. I tore the labor in my shoulder and oh, never, wow. never played after that. Although I had scholarship offers, they were retracted after I had surgery. Um, and everyone asked me like, how I was able to give that up. But for me giving it up, I honestly never did. I was just distracted by other things, right? I started making Mm. money. I started going to clubs and getting involved in nightlife and events. So it was just a distraction. But one thing that came across my plate recently was a coach of mine who said, Matt, I think it would be of your best interest to find the fulfillment of actually coaching. And now that you're saying that it it just, it just clicks, man, it clicks, but I appreciate you going into that. I'm obviously curious as to how you landed into what you're doing. Now you're speaking across the globe. You spoke internationally, you've written books, you're helping people write books, man. You have a shit ton going on. Like where does it all (laughs) connect? Bring, bring me to the connection point. Yeah. The the connection point really is, I, I just have been blessed to be around people who are, who got that entrepreneurial spirit. Like they right. just, you know, I, I went from being a personal trainer to actually being a customer service rep for like one of the number one online thought leaders when it came to fitness. This was a guy by the name of Mike Geary who wrote a book called Six pa- um, The Truth About Six Pack Abs. And I was just answering emails and Matt, I got some crazy emails that I was answering. A 75 year old will send an email and say, can I still get abs? Like you think I, there's still a shot for me? And I'm like saying here like, hey, you know, the elasticity of your skin might be a little bit different now. So it may not look exactly the way you want. So I did that, but that was like my first time seeing someone make money just putting something out on the internet. And bro, like I was going into the cart and seeing $20,000 days. And I'm sitting here like, who, like, this is a reality? Like, this is possible? And so I did that part-time and then I shifted to um, working for another guy doing marketing. And I did that for seven to eight years. His name was Ryan Lee. And that was great. Like, it, it was honestly, the way I got to where I am is I felt like God just put me in a path where I had proximity and you know this, proximity is power. I literally was next to people where there wasn't like, 
um, the CEO of the company and then like 10 people. The companies were four people deep typically. And I was right underneath the CEO working on projects and I'm seeing failure firsthand and how they just like, oh, whatever, off their bat. And I'm sitting here like, these guys, they're batting, you know, in baseball, you bat three out of 10, you're a Hall of Famer. These guys was batting one out of 10. They were hitting 100. But that 100, like that one hit was a million dollar business. And so seeing that, I started to learn failure, started to learn failure. And then one day, my mentor was like, um, yo, Gio, there's a camp. Um, they're looking for speakers. Would you want to do it? And at that point, I was already doing like the rah-rah speeches like Al Pacino from any given Sunday t- to my football <laughs> team. So I'm like, I'm like, and I loved Ray Lewis. So I was like, yo, I love that rah-rah motivating people to like run through a brick wall. And so when he gave me the opportunity to talk to these elementary school kids at a baseball camp in the summer, I did it. And when I did it, my mentor looked at me and I was working for him at the time. And he said with tears in his eyes, he said, I just found out what you were meant to do. And I'm sitting here like, what are you talking about? He said, no, what you just did for those 25, 30 minutes, that's what you was created on earth to do. And the reason why that's powerful to me is because I was working for him, not speaking. So you telling me that's what I should do is essentially you telling, foreshadowing that I'm not going to work for you no more. Right. But he saw it so clearly that I just ran with it when he said that. Like when he said that, I'm like, oh, snap, that's crazy. And so I started doing speaking free, 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 free until I got tired of it. And then um, I started going get paid for it, which was great. And then I saw a bunch of people writing books, the Eric Thomases, the Les Browns, the Jim Rohns. And I'm like, man, all of these guys are the same like me. We're both we're all motivational speakers, but they got author to their name. Right. I like that. I don't like the fact that I don't have that. So let me go write a book. So I wrote the first is real. <laughs> like I, I went online, man, and just started looking. Yo, who who know how to write a book? And I found a guy by the name of Tony Gaskins, bought his course, learned it, came up with my book, wrote it. And then um my mentor, the one who told me, you know, Gio, you meant to do this, he said, Yo, you wrote a book. I have a mastermind with a group of business guys. I think they should write a book too. And before I know it, I'm like helping people write books. And I got to 20 books, 30 books. And now we are at 40. By the end of this, by the end of August, we'll be at 50, 51 books that I've helped sell publish. That's huge, man. That's that's (laughs) the grind, man. That's the grind. You know, you, you, piqued my interest when you said something earlier. You said that you saw it firsthand, those $20,000 days coming in. You know, you saw people brushing off the failures like that, no problem. Now, the thing is, this is the thing, right? There's people that don't have the opportunity to actually see that stuff, right? There's people that have the opportunity that don't get to see it and that kind of stops them, right? Because you, you have the person who's like me, um, I, I'm grateful I've seen it, but also I was also the, you know, the rebellious kid growing up. I had to try it before, you know, someone's advice actually clicked. So I'm curious, like, what can you say to the person that can't see it, right? They, they, they can't see it, but they, they want it. You know, they, they don't know what to do when it comes to that because they, they've never experienced it. They've never had the opportunity to say, oh, if he's doing it, if she's doing it, I can do it too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, you know, Matt, that it's interesting you say that because for me, that's the reason why I really speak at this point now. Mm. The reason I speak now is because I know that I have to be the bridge between what I experienced and who the people I'm meant to talk to. They'll never meet these people. 
those those two worlds will never intersect. So my job is to go and create that intersection. I, I got to be the middle of it. And so I've, I've done it from reading books. I've done it from listening to podcasts. Like you do what you can with what you have. Right. So if you can't get close to a Tony Robbins, you read Tony Robbins books and you listen to his podcast and you stalk people who essentially went to all his seminars and see if they <laughs> tweet anything that was of an experience. You do that and you become obsessive with it. And until you get to a certain point, I tell people all the time, Kevin Hart's my mentor, Oprah's my mentor, Tyler Perry's my mentor. And people be like, oh, snap, you met them? Nah, I ain't meet them. I just read every single thing anyone has ever written about them to the point where I can go and say their catchphrases like I'm them. Right. Right. So, so, so when you think about, oh, I'm never going to have access to these people, I'm like, well, that's not true. Like, you have access. Now, you might not go and be able to pick up your phone and call them, but you can go and have that information. I think it's just a legitimate excuse to say I can't do it. Mm. And I'm not going to, I don't want anyone who's listening to this to like walk away and think that that excuse is acceptable. Not in 2020. Not, not, right. not when we have, like even Wikipedia has enough facts for you to go and get some information, even though not all of it is true. But like, <laughs> but there's stuff on there, man, that I think like if we just stop saying, oh man, you know, lucky Matt that he got a chance to do this or lucky Geo, he had a chance to work underneath a millionaire. I can't get that. I'm like, but there's books. Now there's books where, okay, you don't have the proximity of um, the power of being right under somebody like a Damon John or myself with the Paul Reddicks and the Ryan Lees of the world that I've got a chance to work with, but they've written books or someone's interviewed them. I'm telling you, before you tell me you don't know how to do something, tell me if you, let me know how many podcasts did you listen to on that expert? They go on tours. You should be going on the tour with them. They right. go on 10 podcasts. Damon John, I remember when you was working with him and he was going on his on his tour for like Power of Broke. That was the first time we was, we, we, I think, and I see the book like right, literally right behind your head. So like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So literally, if he's going and doing interviews, he's dropping gems regularly. And you just got to listen to it over and over and over again. Be like, oh, snap. Damon John said in The Power of Broke that we all in the business of selling time. What does he mean by that? Sell it. So I go and hit, listen to another podcast. He says a little bit more about it. And I just right. start placing the pieces together. And all of a sudden, I know selling time is we're selling how to have a good time, how to make the most of your time, how to, you know, like, I'm learning it, but it's all from interviews. And so I think that's the key when you say like, man, Gio, how do I get to that place where I have that knowledge? I'm like, yeah, you just got to seek it. Like you've got to really want it. And that comes from books, that comes from YouTube videos, that comes from um, podcasts. And that's why I'm so glad you do, you're essentially doing exactly um, what I believe is needed is to have these, you, you're like a conduit, like you're a road that helps them go and meet these people that they would never, ever meet, right? You make, you make um, what is it, therapy more accessible and less taboo because you brought somebody on, right? right? Like you got people in real estate. We're like, yo, what, Matt sells real estate? No, but there's some mindsets about sales tactics and stuff like that and motivation and stuff and being persuasive that you can have with the several people you had on there. So I think it's information is out there. Um, we just got to seek the information. Right. So that brings me to my next question. It's like, yeah, we know the resources are there, but it's a whole other thing to be resourceful, right? It's one That's thing. 
It's one thing to have the resources, another thing to actually know how to use them. It's like if someone says, oh, I want a million dollars. Okay, cool. But being resourceful is know what you're, you know, knowing what you're going to do with that million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what's your advice for people to actually become resourceful? Is it a, is it the fact that they might just not be passionate about what they're pursuing? So they find themselves being procrastinators or lazy or et cetera, or is there something else around that? I believe that the reason why people are not resourceful is because of one of the high human needs, which is certainty. Okay. People go ahead and think like, yo, you know what? If I know 100% sure that this is going to work, I will do it. And so what happens is there is nothing 100% sure. Like there's there's nothing on that level. And so because of it, they never actually engage fully with the resources. And so you don't get the fullness part, right? Like you said, like resourcefulness, right? How do you get to that point is engaging with the resources. And then you start to go and create your own curriculum that I heard when somebody said, now you all of a sudden say, yo, I tried that. It didn't work for me, but now I tweaked it like this and now it works. I'm thinking, my, my mindset is this. I would like people to go back to when we were kids in science class. And we were in science class and we used to do experiments and they used to say to you in the beginning, what's your hypothesis? And a hypothesis was just basically an educated guess. Right. Right. And when you fig- when you finish the experiment and you got the answer wrong, you didn't go and say, damn, man, I'm stupid. You went and said, oh, snap, look what I discovered. Right, right. It's a right. different mentality when you start to look at everything you're doing as, you know what, this this book I got here, this got resources. Let me go and experiment with the information and now all of a sudden get some key feedback that I can now go ahead and implement and be like, oh snap, like this actually worked. I think most people, we do window shopping with life. We do window shopping with resources. What does that Go in the store, man. Like, 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 go in the store, try the stuff on. Like, I don't, like, I, I've gone to stores that I can't afford the things. And I'm like, yo, nah, I'm going to go to Saks and I'm going to go and put on the jacket. That's $3,000. I need it to touch my skin. Like, right. I need, I need to feel it. Be like, yo, hold on, man. Like, I belong here. I think a lot of people don't ever get that close to it to be like, like get, get dirty. Like, don't come back home with your uniform clean. Roll in the dirt or something. Like, do, like, <laughs> like do something because that something, even if it's imperfect, is going to give you feedback that's going to change the game. Like, it's, it's right. um, I don't know if you ever heard this. Like, Warren Buffett said, he will never partner with someone who has not failed in their business three times. Wow. And people were like, what are you talking about? And this was on a, on a sports radio. I, and, and he was like, because here's, and they're like, why would you want to work with someone who failed three times? And he said, because the information on the mistakes they made, that's invaluable to me. Right. That mis- their mistakes is valuable. It's a completely different thought process than how we grow up. We grow up and think mistakes have nothing. They're not worth nothing. We should not even desire them. Warren Buffett, who I think is now ranked seventh in the richest guy in the world, richest person in the world, said that I won't even partner with you if you have not failed three times with companies. That to me, when I heard that, I'm like, yo, so why am I trying to live a life with no mistakes? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> like, that's an asset. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, man. Damn. I love that. 
I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> trying to process it all. I love that. But I saw you pick up the book. I saw you pick up the book, Geo's Gems, yeah. 52 Motivational. Um, what is it? F- r- tell me the subtitle. Yeah, 52 Motivational um, Gems to Making Your Life a Masterpiece. I love it, man. Why, why write this book at this point in your journey? So number one, everybody was telling me to write it, right? So, okay. so, so that, that was number one. So it's easy, like, oh, the, the market is saying to do it. I was saying stuff in my speeches, Matt, and people were like, that's a gem. Yo, dang, man, that's Geo's gems right there. And I was like sitting here and I started to say to myself, let me just stack these somewhere and save them so that when I do a speech, I can just go and put together my greatest hits and I know I got a good speech, right? Something right. like something like that. But the reason why I moved into this is I was like, yo, I don't feel like people need um, a 300 page story on how to change their life. I think that they already have the motive. They just need a little bit of a spark. So the gems is like, it's basically like you go into the food court and you're trying to sample something. These are just like motivational samples, like nuggets that you could go ahead and download that would shift your perspective in one moment. And you're like, dang, man, I ain't even see it like that. And so let me, let me if, I, if you don't mind, let me share one with you. Please, please, please just, do. So, so here's one. Um, Gem 21, the path of least resistance isn't always the best, the best path. Okay. Right? The path of least resistance is not always the best path. So I tell a story about when I was playing football and I was like a defensive tackle. That's the guy standing right over the ball who got to try to get tackled, right. the guy, the quarterback or whatever. When I would go and they would hike the ball, the guy right in front of me left me alone. So he's not even blocking me. So I go immediately, yo, I'm about to kill the quarterback. This idiot missed his block. So I'm like, yo, this path is super easy. And then what happened was down the line came a guy who was pulling and he blindsided me and knocked me off my feet. And immediately I started to remember that story as like, when it looks super easy, you're going to get blindsided. Something is going to hit you. Why do I share that? Because I think too many people keep looking for the easy path. And the thing is, you're going to get set up and you're going to get slapped in the face and, you can, and I don't want no one to ever go through that because trust me, when I watch the highlight video and see the guy, well, you, you should see me in the video. I'm like this, yeah, I'm about to get him. And then, <laughs> right? Like, and I'm oh, sitting man. here and I'm like, yo, no, I want you to watch out for the train. If it's super easy, the train is coming is what they say in football. And it's going to knock you off your feet. If you go ahead and take this quote by Les Brown who says, when you do what is easy, life is hard. But when you do what is hard, life is easy. easy. Now all of a sudden you go and say, I'm not... I'm, and I, I know people listen to this and say, yo, look at him. He's talking about everything got to be hard. I'm not saying that. I'm saying stop being unwilling to go on a path that has hard on it. Mm-hmm. Willing is different. I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know what, man, if you're not bleeding, blood, sweat, and tears, you ain't doing nothing. I'm not going that extreme. But the part of like, you know what, the success just falls on me. And, and it just, I just attract it with doing nothing that I ain't with it either. So like, so, so I think in the, and in, in there's a middle ground where the middle is, I am willing to go to hard if it's necessary. That's if powerful. it's necessary, hard, I will go through it. I don't care what it is. I'm willing to pay the price. That was something else in the book. I talked about like, you can have whatever you want in life as long as you're willing to pay the price. Right. Now, I know T.I. had that song, you can have whatever you like. That's cool. But someone got to pay for the whatever you like. So T.I. <laughs> right. could go take a shorty and be like, yo, you got whatever you like, man. And she could go and pick up everything in the store. But T.I. still got to swipe the credit card. 
Right, 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 right. So there's no free lunches. So everything you you're like, yo, man, I want to be a millionaire. That's fine. But then I remember like, do you are you okay failing 20 times? Are you okay being told a hundred times? Are you, like if you're not, then my question is you're not willing to pay that price. There's a steep price for success. And as I continue to climb, like I talked to you earlier about redefining success, refining success, I'm noticing that the price is 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 heavy. Like it's, it costs a lot, but I'm also realizing that every step I take, I'm building my credit, mm. and so I'm able to have the the capital to be able to go and buy. Even though the cost went up, I also went up too, so I could pay it. Right. I love that, man. So why fifty two gems though? What, what is fifty two? No, so so, 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 <laughs> so it's twofolds. Number one, my favorite football player was Ray Lewis. He wore fifty two. Fifty two. Uh, okay. So that's a number that was really that really caught me. The realistic part, because that has to do more with Geo, has nothing to do with you. But the reader, that's fifty two weeks in a year. Ah. Uh, so what I want you to do is I want you to chew on one gem per week. Per week. So that way you can really dive into it. Because again, one of the parts in the book I talk about, I don't want you to have information obesity. Mm. Information obesity is, you know, I got mad. It's like someone who eat a lot of food. You get fat because you consume calories that you never burned. Right. It's the same thing with information obesity. I collect a bunch of information, never use it. I get fat. Mentally. Right, right. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so for me, it's like, yo, if I could get you to go and say, yo, let me chew on this gem about Geo said, fix the roof while it's sunny outside. Yo, dag, man, that's good. Because if it's, if, if it's raining and now I'm fixing the hole, that sucks. I'm getting all wet. Everything in the house is getting wet. Let me fix the problem before it becomes a problem for real. How could I apply that on my Monday, my Tuesday, my Wednesday, my Thursday, my Friday. And now my hope is that I don't think anyone we'll get through all 52 gems and really put it into practice in a year. You have this book for a lifetime though. That's why I love books because they can yeah. use it for the rest of their life. But I'm only imagining like if you just use 10 of these gems over the course of 52 weeks, your life can't look the same. No, totally different. It, 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 it can't like you can't go and take this information, start applying it and not see a change. Like that doesn't right. make sense. It's like me eating celery, and whatever healthy stuff, and then I don't lose no weight. That doesn't make sense. And nobody eats like twenty pounds of broccoli anyway. So you could you you could eat healthy and and lose the weight. So I really believe like every gem in here. This has been over the course of my career vetted. When people have told me, "Yo, that changed my life." Oh snap! I used that one. I just bought a car the other day. You did buy a car, yeah? Because you remember when you told me, Geo, act like the part, and then you'll get it. I said, mm. I told you that? They're like, yeah, you said act, the, act like the part and I'll get it. So I wanted a car. So I started making the car payments to my bank account so, so that way I can get the car. So now a year later, I got 12 months of car payments saved because I acted the part so I can get the part. Love that. This is the type of stuff that's in this book, man. Yeah, I love that. You know, bring, 
you bring up celery, man. I got to tell you, I've been drinking a celery juice every single morning. There's so many benefits well, that people talk about. <laughs> Yo, it, it's, yeah. it's not good. Like, it, it's not good taste-wise, <laughs> I'll tell you that. The minute yeah. you said celery, I started to taste it in my mouth. And I'm like, yo, I got to say this. I got to say this. But the benefits from a health perspective, like nothing added, no lime, no lemon, no ginger, no wow. nothing, just straight, no water, no ice, just straight celery dude (laughs) but the benefits are crazy the benefits are crazy but um talk to me about why or i'm sorry not why but what would you want someone if they could only take away one thing right like if someone that reads this book could only take away one thing what do you want that one thing to be and why is it one of the gems or is it something bigger than that (laughs) that's a good question and i've never been asked that question before I firmly believe that the gems is is more about bringing the best version of you out. Like that's the most important thing. If you read this book and you say, "Dang, Geo is great," I've done a disservice to you. Mm. I don't. I, I don't. I don't need the positive affirmations or like yo love language stuff. And I'm good. Right. What I want you to walk away with is like yo. Damn, I can be better. So I hope that when you finish reading this book, you're like, I I am better and go and chase that better that you know you can become. That that's the whole goal. Like that one thing I want you to walk away with is like there's a better version of me out there and I gotta go claim it. Don't leave it on the baggage claim on a conveyor belt for somebody else to go and steal. It's yours with your name on it. Please go claim that better version of you. Right. Like, and, and so hopefully these are things that kind of like add some seasoning to your life so that you go ahead and you're very aware, you're awakened to the fact that, oh, snap, I just was looking at everything the wrong way. That's the only reason I didn't meet him yet or I, meet, I didn't meet her yet is because I just was looking at it wrong. It's just like anybody with like glasses. It's like 2020 vision. You're like, oh, snap, I see now. I believe that the purpose of this whole book is for you to go and start to see clearly what you could become. And I firmly believe that when you see what you can become, you'll do everything in your power to make sure that you actually see it for real. So that's interesting because I said recently, maybe a few weeks ago, that I am potentially scared of my own true potential. Mm, Let's talk about that. That's that's good. That's good. And I'm only saying that because I've been doing a lot of deep work, like really, really deep work. And it's not to say that I feel like I could be further in life. I am very proud of what I've been able to accomplish thus far. But there are there are many times where I feel like, okay, cool, like I could have or I can still be at this point if I actually did this because I'm not doing this. But why am I not really doing that? It's not because I'm not passionate about it. You know, there's passion behind it, but I do feel like a lot of people can resonate with that. They're just scared. You know, that they are scared of their own true potential. And that's something that's even bigger than just business. There's people that won't make changes in their life because they're scared of what that change will bring. That change will bring new life. And they're just so comfortable with the life they're living. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, Bro, it's crazy to even think about it. It's crazy. The reason I'm getting chills is because in my Trello, like where I put all my ideas, um, on my Trello, I literally was literally wrote, "Your next book might need to be scary success." Scary success. 
scary success because as I'm, as I'm elevating, I'm noticing that I have that same fear that yeah. you're talking about. And the fear is the change begets other changes that I had no idea was going to happen. And I started to, honestly, bro, I started grieving growth. Mm. I was grieving growth. Like, because in order for me to grow the into the new version of me, the old version has to die. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, damn, man, I ain't talked to my friends in so long. I'm a bad friend. Oh, snap. Look at this. I didn't even, this is a real true story. I looked at the TV behind me right there and I was like, I don't remember the last time I turned it on. And I was mourning. I was like, I miss Stephen A. Smith. I miss Skip. <laughs> like, I'm like, literally, like, you're like, like, they were family members. I'm like, I miss Skip. And then you get the phone calls from my mom and my dad. Yo, I ain't hear from you in so long. And I'm growing. Like, that, like it's not that I don't want to talk to you. It's that, yo, the, the life that I'm building is calling me more. Right. It's calling me more. And, 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 and that's where it becomes scary because I'm like, will the people love who I'm becoming? That's what I think people get scared of. I think people get scared of the fact that they're living a life externally in, uh, as opposed to internally, right? They're yeah. scared if they make that change, this person might not be my friend anymore. This opportunity might not be here anymore. And this is the opportunity that validates my uniqueness. It validates my, my business savviness. It validates my paycheck, my wallet. You know, like people yeah. are... And man, I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking from experience. You know, we, we tend to validate ourselves from the external as opposed to the internal. And once you can make that switch, I feel like that's when you can start getting over the, not the fear, but yeah, I guess the fear in a sense of your own mm -hmm. true potential. But I'm going to throw a, a, a caveat out here. I'm also scared of... Like my, my biggest fear in life, although I'm scared of roller coasters and heights and stuff like that, my biggest <laughs> yeah. fear, my, my actual biggest fear is not being the person that I'm meant to be, right? Not reaching my, my truest potential because we all have a greatness inside of us. So those yeah. two are very contradicting, you know, those no, two very, are very, very much so. But, 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 but here's the thing I want you to understand. And this is, you, you have, we all going to have FOMO. Right. The FOMO you have that you just described is the right one to have. Right. Fear of missing out of being my best self is a healthy fear. Right, right, right. Versus, oh man, I missed the party because I was working. Like the, the fear of missing out for that, that doesn't mean that that's not that's not a trajectory that's going up. Like that's right. just like, oh, you missed you missed a social event. But in terms of missing your best version of you, like that's I think a healthy fear. And what I started to learn, Matt, was like I was trying to get rid of a fear that was going to ensure me to my success. Mm. And I'm not starting to think I'm 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 wasting time trying to get rid of it when I should just go ahead and use it. Right. Like it, it, it's it's crazy. I know, like people like yo, you, yo, you, you should not have a spirit of fear, and you shouldn't be fearful of anything. And I'm like, but if it, most of the time we don't, we're not moved to do anything until we get to that place. Exactly. There's people who there, there are people who are millionaires now, and the reason why they had the discipline to become a millionaire is because they're fearful of being broke again. Mm. That fear has driven them 
to go and create a path where I'm not, I'm not where I was because of the fear. So I think like the fear part, when we just say, you'll just delete fear at all costs, all costs, I think that could be problematic too. I'm not into, I think we have like too many people who are like so absolute absolutionist or whatever the terminology is, right? Whereas like, it's all or nothing. There's no gray. It's black or white. And I'm like, I get fear is not always good, but I don't think it is all bad too. You got to just figure out how to make it work for you. Employ your fear, employ those negative emotions and make it work for you in the healthiest way possible. Exactly. I love that, man. I love that. Listen, I want to respect your time. A couple more questions yeah. for you. I see we got yeah, a, no I see we got a couple more minutes. Um, first question. Actually, you know what? How about this? I know you've done podcasts before. You've had your own. You've been on other people's podcasts. You speak mm-hmm. all throughout the globe. Uh, I'm yep. sure you get questions all the time. What is a question you wish more people would ask you and how would you answer it? What is the question I wish more people would ask me? a selfish question when you think about it i know you're a selfless guy so it's hard it's actually yeah, it's hard to tough, think of this a, stuff it's a tough question to say what i wish and i feel like you kind of asked it earlier when you asked me about my book like what do you want that's a tough question man shucks what is a question you would want someone to ask you and what would be your answer to it Dang. i don't know man that's a tough one. Here's the thing I would say. So I would say the question I want people to ask you more is who is the person that was instrumental or in, 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 like to your success? Right. And when I say that question, why I want it is because typically the answer is normally some mentor, blah, 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 right? Right. Book so-and-so, but whatever. The reason why I want the question to be asked is because the way I would answer it is if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Mm. Don't don't so bring she, me down the track of relationships, bro. Don't bring bro, me down bro. that track. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me. I've never done a speech since I've been married that my wife doesn't get a shout out. That she's going to get it all the time. But the reason, and a reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think it's important when I'm saying that I'm telling you to go on a journey where you're going to fail often, where you're going to doubt yourself, where you're going to have other people around you doubt you, you need someone who's going to give you a floor to land on and not laugh at you when you fall on your face. So for me to have a woman who's like, who, who will affirm me on my vision for myself when it gets blurry for me. For example, I was out of work, was struggling to make money with the business And I told Marsha, who's my wife, I told Marsha, I see this job. It's perfect for me. I can still work remotely. I can, I do book stuff already. They're going to pay me a great salary and I got benefits and all this stuff. This is crazy. Like I'll I'll do this for a year, make the money, pay off the debt. And then I'll go back into running my business. And literally, I don't know what it was about that offer, but immediately within five seconds, she said, absolutely not. I said, what do you mean? Absolutely not. Like your money is paying for us to live. I'm telling you, this person is going to give me like 75K to do something. And I, I don't even have to leave the house. I'm going to go do that. Nope. I don't want that version of you. I want the version of you who's going to go and build this business up, Ooh. suffer as suffer as you want. We'll, we'll deal with it. If we got to eat ramen noodles, we'll do that as well. But I need you. I don't want that version of you. 
I want the version of you who's going to get that business up because that's what I believe you were supposed to do. And you know, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Wow. So when I got that, I'm like, geez, Louise, like a coach can't tell me that a mentor is not the same thing as my wife telling me like, yo, for real, for real. And that was, those are the moments that remind me, like, even from the relationship standpoint, like who you with is so important to where you're going to go. Yeah. And, and and it may not be your wife. It might be your boys. It might be your homegirls, whatever the case may be. But your people around you is going to get you to where you're going or is going to stop you from, from where you're going. And for her to have her, having people like you in my circle where on um, – I forgot when we went to the to the library and we did our mastermind, but like it was like an end of the year thing that we did, right? right? And to have those meetings where we have a mastermind and talk about stuff, like having these people in my circle is the reason why I don't need a fallback plan. They're my rope. If I'm in a wrestling ring, every time I go to one direction, I got people like you, my wife, my best friends, all of these people who are like, yo, now nah, when I want to run out the ring, they're like, nah, 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 go back go back in the ring, right? Some of the stuff, even in our conversation, when we met in December, I was ready to leave the book business alone. Right. It was that meeting that we had on a random day that um, made me get back to it to now I'm launching, a, I've just launched my course last week. I picked up new clients and this was, bro, a business I was willing to walk away from. And had I not had the guys like you in the room, who's like, you're crazy for doing that, I would have missed out on the opportunities. I'm going to be working with someone who's going to revolutionize how sales training is done. I'm working with someone who's going to change how people approach breast cancer. I'm working with someone who's writing a book, talking to little girls about this trauma they went through. These are books that are going to change people's lives that I would have never had a chance to partner on if it wasn't for people like you who's like, yo, what happened to the book stuff? You need friends like that who's gonna not let you off the hook. Cause I really right. wanted to be like, yo guys, tell me how to get more speaking engagements. And you're like, yo, you've been talking about the book stuff was where you've been winning. Why are you not touching the books? And I was like, um, Jag, you know what? I don't wanna do that no more, you know? And you're like, you crazy. You feel rich, all these people, Patrick. Like, yo, what, what are you doing, bro? Are you serious? And I'm so grateful that I went to that meeting with you guys, man, because if it wasn't for those moments, I can't promise you I would be doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah, man. Now, I got to ask you another question. This is a question when, when I first started this podcast, I was asking people in my circle, including you, for yeah. questions. And you, you gave me this one. This has been a staple in the show. I've asked it every <laughs> single episode. Yeah. The question is, what is a piece of advice you didn't want to hear but proved to be true over time? Shucks, man. Listen, man, you're the, you're the one that gave it to me. So you, you I did. I, re I remember when I gave you that question. Sheesh, that's a good one, man. What is a piece <laughs> of advice that I didn't want to hear, but I'm glad I heard? It, I would or, say it came from my yeah, dad. You know, it proved to be true over time. Something that proved to be true. I I, I would say it's my mom. So my mom, one time, I was creating a charity event to give back to students, give them backpacks. Y'all got to help people out, man. That's my good, you right. know, good deed to the world. 
and I'm working, I'm getting these graphics, I'm getting these custom boxes made from India and all these different things. Like, there's like so many moving parts. And my mom comes to me as I'm working with my friends in the crib. She says, gee, I got to tell you something. So whatever. And she don't normally talk about business stuff. So she said, how could you be doing charity work for someone else when you are the one in need of charity? Mm. And I'm Why saying, like, that? yeah, because what, what I didn't understand at that moment, because she didn't say it in the most eloquent way you could say it. Right. It did right. stop me in my tracks. What I believe in, what was the advice that she was trying to tell me is geo. It's noble to want to help people, but you have to have something to help them with. Okay. And so what happened was I'm in a place where I'm trying to go and do good for others, but I'm not good. And I think that's that self-love where it's like, yo, you didn't, like, why do you not feel like you're worth something that you now have to go and do it for everyone else and you didn't feel that love for you? I didn't feel that love for me at that moment. And it didn't connect the dots for me until my mentor told me what my mom said, but he said it more eloquently. And he was like, Gio, you can never feed someone if your plate is empty. Right, right. And I didn't want to hear that because I'm like, yo, no, it's service, service. You know what? Now I'm going to be like Gandhi and Mother Teresa and stuff. Like, dang, I, 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 yeah, yeah, what y'all told them about? And I needed to understand that. And here's when it connected for me and it came true. When I started to get more, I started to find myself just giving like this, so willy-nilly. Even Saturday we went out on um, for my wife's birthday and I was literally brought to tears because I saw a guy asking for money on the West Side Highway. And I gave him a dollar, bro, uh, a dollar, right? I gave him a dollar and I saw him like literally waving like crazy, like, thank you so much. And in that moment, I started crying because I was like, yo, what if that morning he woke up and he said, yo, God, man, no one gives a damn about anybody but themselves. Mm. Why should I ever, why should I even bother living anymore? Give me a sign that what I'm saying is not true. And now when I gave him the dollar, I told Marsha, I was like, babe, I don't know why I'm so emotional right now. I feel like this is a moment. Like he needed that dollar, not because he needs something to eat. He needed to believe tomorrow was going to be different than today. Right. That's yeah. it. But how can I give him that if I'm broke? Right, right, right. How do I create that moment for him that is bigger than a dollar? if I don't secure the bag myself to make sure that I'm not the one who needs the dollar. Right. And that's what my mom was really trying to tell me is like, I'm not saying that it's bad for you to help people, but don't be the help. It's being the help is not being the person in need of help will not help you get to that point. Like right. you want to go and make massive, like I want to help more people. Like you've done, like look at your network. I remember, and I, and I, and I know this is probably like not, podcast etiquette but I, I feel like sometimes when people do podcasts you do the interviewing but you don't give yourself an opportunity i love giving the praise to people who deserve it like give them your, give you your flowers while you're here the way you've been able to nurture your network to be able to provide food for those on the front line mm. think about what would have happened had you had not developed the social capital that you had to be able to go ahead and now be a blessing because you yourself was blessed right you could not have done that if you didn't, if you weren't good. Like 100%. if Matt wasn't okay, 
how could Matt take care of people if Matt is not fine? No, it makes sense, man. If, you're, if your cup isn't full, you can't pour it. You know, you can't pour someone else that, a drink. That's it. Yeah, man. That's I it. love that. You know, so I that's the that. motivation. That's the, when I, bro, I, I'm telling you, I still think I get chills about that guy. When I saw him, I said to myself, oh, snap. And I've had three, four episodes just like that story where now I'm like, this is why you got to work. This right. is why you got to make money. Not to go and buy my cool Bruce Lee t-shirt or something. <laughs> but like, <laughs> which, and I'm not saying you don't, don't please don't take care of yourself, but I'm just saying like, it's so much bigger than items. Like right. literally we can change somebody's life. A hundred percent, man. I love that. I love that. So obviously you do podcasts, you do a lot of speaking engagements, you write your books. If you yeah. could only give now, I'm saying if you could only give one piece of advice for the rest of your life, you have many years here. You did, you, drastically changed your health habits to prolong your years here. So if yeah. you could only give one piece of advice for the rest of your life, what would that one piece of advice be? One piece of advice for the rest of my life. Um, damn. Yo, these questions is dumb hard. You really do be decoding <laughs> success. Like, this is not you a game. Man. You got to, man. You got to. You be decoding this for real. Sheesh. Um, dang. I, I just keep coming back to this whole idea of, of failure. I, I would say um, never stop trying. Constantly always experiment because you will eventually fall upon the answer. Like, I, I firmly believe that every mistake is a redirection that's getting you closer to where you're going. Right. I just think people are afraid to make the mistakes or afraid to fail. And so because they're afraid of failure, they distance themselves from success. I think they're on the same coin. Failure and success mm -hmm. is on the same coin. But what happens is when you run away from the failure, you also run away from the success. Yeah. You know, so I would, I would, is that, that whole idea of failing forward? I would want if you say like Gio, man, Gio was known for a guy who helped people to experiment with life so that they can go and experience the best version of their life. If that would be like my moniker or whatever they call it, like the thing on my tombstone is that I was able to help people to embrace that journey of imperfection, that journey of failure, that journey of I'm just experimenting and trying to figure it out and making my bunch of educated guesses hypothesis right. on what's going to happen in my life i feel like if i could get more people to do that and that's why i go to schools and i speak is i want people to go and say yo stop trying to go and get perfect like yo just do your work you still get credit for showing your work even though the answer is wrong like you remember in math class like you put the wrong thing and you put a plus sign it was supposed to be a negative and they gave you like seven out of ten but you, you still got points thing. right you still got points i think too many people leaving points on the table Ooh. because they ain't trying nothing Right. Don't leave your points on the table. Go show your work, do the work, um, experiment, and you're going to get credit. And then you're going to get better because you did something. Yeah, man. I love that. Gio, I love it, man. I could talk to you for days, but I know All I, I got to let All you run. All day, man. All I, day. I know I got to let you run. So I'm going to make sure your social handles, website, where people can yeah. book. That's all in the show notes of this episode. Um, listen, man, I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. I'm excited to be able to amplify this message some more. So again, oh, thank I appreciate you for having on here, man. Thank you. I love this stuff, man. Keep going. What episode is this? 
Man, I this don't is like know. hundred plus, man. Like, I want to see a thousand, Matt. Like this, this might be too much pressure on you. We just at the time of us recording this, we just lost a great guy in Regis Philbin, right. who was the guy that I always used to see at nine o'clock in the morning. I think literally no pressure on you, but I really believe what you're doing with the decoding success thing is on a level that you can be this generation's version of making success accessible to people through this podcast. The way you've been consistent, man, is crazy to me. You know how many podcasts never get to 100 episodes? I know, man. It's crazy. I heard a lot. Yeah, I heard a lot. It's almost like like 60 to 70%. Yeah, Yeah, man. So for you to get to 100 plus, man, my my, my prayer for you is you get to 1,000, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're close to 200, man. So we're getting there. We're getting there. We're close. We're close. But I appreciate you, Gio. Thank you, man. No doubt. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out to my guy, Gio DeRice, hopping on here, adding a ton of value, having fun in the process, being able to amplify it to all of you. This is exactly why I absolutely love having this podcast. It's just so damn fun. It's so damn fulfilling being able to do all these things at once. So with that said, I want to make sure that you're connecting with Gio. Give him the love that he deserves after hopping on here, dedicating time to impacting your life, to providing you with some value on this episode here today. You can find all of his social links in the show notes of this episode. You can find his website where you can get the book all that good stuff in the show notes of this episode you don't even need to stop listening to it to check it out head over to that right now do that do that do that make sure you're sharing this as well i know i mentioned it earlier in the show but i want to make sure that you're sharing this with the people in your community i don't want to be like that guy that's pushing you pushing you pushing you but at the same time you have the opportunity right now right here right now to be able to impact someone else's life if this impacted yours i guarantee you the people you're in proximity with are going to be impacted by the same exact thing make sure that you're sharing this with them the people in your masterminds the group chats where you're sending all all those memes that you know, whatever you're doing in those group chats, make sure you're sharing this. Leave a rating and review if you have not done so yet, especially if you're tuned in from Apple, iTunes, etc. Last time, huge shout out to our partners over at Acadium. Again, you can find them in the show notes of this episode. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, be blessed. Peace.